It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 806 for the 19th of August, 2022. This week, one of the best things about digital photography is that individual images cost nothing. That means even amateur photographers routinely amass tens of thousands of images. XIR Photo can help when you're looking for one specific image. In short circuits, when something goes wrong, don't panic. Until you're sure what's happening, the best action is often no action at all. As first responders say, be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Let's see how that applies to computers. There are reasons for using third-party protective applications on Windows-based computers, but the built-in Windows security, along with protections that are included with most web browsers, are sufficient for most users. And 20 years ago, only on the website, in 2002, we were beginning to contemplate not only editing video on our computers, but also the ability to make DVDs that could be played on standard TV disc players. The SCM Microsystems Dazzle DVD Creation Station was one of the players. One of the best things about digital photography is that individual images don't cost anything. But that's also a huge problem. Even amateur photographers routinely amass digital photo archives with tens of thousands of images, sometimes hundreds of thousands. Finding one particular image can be nearly impossible. Professional photographers, especially those who are old enough to remember film, have organizational methods that include dates and names, possibly locations, perhaps even other indicators. Adobe's Lightroom Classic is a fine organizer, but two applications from Xire make the process of categorizing images easier so that they can be found quickly. XIR Search is a plug-in for Lightroom Classic, and XIR Photo is a standalone application. I wrote about an XIR Search update in September of 2020. You'll find a link to that on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The plug-in's operation and characteristics are about the same today as they were in 2020, but XIR Photo has just received a significant upgrade. But let's start by taking a quick look at XIR Search first. When the application has been installed, it runs when Lightroom Classic starts. Lightroom Classic, note, not Lightroom. When you add photos, it's important to run the XIR initialization process. It had been several weeks when I ran the initialization process recently, and there were more than 1,100 new images. The initialization process took only a few minutes. XIR Search does not catalog files in certain uncommon formats, gigantic files that are usually edited versions of existing photos, and any photos for which you've had Lightroom create virtual copies. XIR Search adds its own keywords to any keywords you have already assigned to the photos. When it's time to use XIR Search, you can provide one of your photos or an external photo for comparison, or search for people or faces or keywords. If I want to look for pictures of pies, I could select a photo of a pumpkin pie, open Plug-in Extras from Lightroom's Library menu, and then select Search by Example Photo, and then choose whether to give preference to the photo's content or color, and set how restrictive the search should be. 
Next, I can choose whether to search the entire catalog or just photos in the film strip and the maximum number of files that I want to see. The resulting search in the example I've shown on the TechBiter Worldwide website returned 250 photos, including a lot of pies and quite a few pumpkin pies. But there were also some other photos that included round objects, including a hamburger and even a cat. XIR's artificial intelligence is excellent, but it's not perfect. That shouldn't be a surprise. Perfect or not, the process will usually find the photo you're seeking a lot faster than you could do it manually. The new edition of XIR Photo for 2022 includes some remarkable features. At its most basic, the application is photo management software that categorizes photos and assigns keywords to them. The objective is to help photographers find photos faster. XIR Photo analyzes photos quickly and uses very little disk space. I uninstalled a previous version of XIR Photo so that the new version would have to examine every photo on the disk. Adobe Lightroom Classic can create sidecar files for any proprietary file formats, such as those from Canon, Nikon, and Sony cameras. The sidecar files duplicate information that Lightroom stores in its own catalog file, but I consider these files to be a necessary backup for edits made to raw files. That's just in case something happens to Lightroom's catalog. So, XIR Photo encountered 113,000 files in 1,558 folders. Tens of thousands of those files were the XMP sidecar files from Lightroom, and some were other sidecar files from Exposure X7. In total, XIR Photo processed 78,202 images in 5 minutes and 45 seconds. I also had the application locate duplicate images. Most of the duplicates were in folders from my early days of using Lightroom when I sometimes stored output files in the same location as the original photos. That's an exceedingly bad practice. In less than five minutes, it found 2,544 duplicates and displayed them. At that point, I could use Lightroom to delete or move the duplicates. XIR Photo offers excellent organizational tools, including the ability to create photo collections and groups without moving the original images. One oddity is that there is no easy way to edit a photo in Lightroom Classic once you've located it using XIR Photo. The Edit In options are limited to Photoshop, Lightroom, but not Lightroom Classic, the Windows Photo Tool and Snipping Tool, and any other installed applications you may have, such as View. Affinity Photo, Affinity Designer, and Affinity Publisher. Images can be given rating numbers, one to five stars, any of five color tags can be assigned, and any image can be flagged as accepted or rejected. These are the same as used by Lightroom Classic, but the ratings, tags, and flags are not forwarded to Lightroom Classic. That's unfortunate, and those who depend on Lightroom Classic would probably be better served with the Lightroom plugin even though XIR Photo has some additional features. So even though this is a review of XIR Photo, Lightroom Classic users will probably find XIR Search 2 to be the better option. An extension for XIR Photo called XIR Analytics costs $40. That's in addition to XIR Photo's $100 price tag, but the two can be purchased together for $130. If you're thinking of buying XIR Photo, you won't regret adding the Analytics option. XIR Search 2, the plug-in for Adobe Lightroom Classic, is $70.
The Analytics Extension provides insight into how you use your photographic equipment. For example, which cameras or lenses you use most frequently, and the settings or camera and lens combinations you use to take your top-rated pictures. I might wonder which cameras I've used the most this year. Because the Canon DSLR is currently in use exclusively for capturing images from old family photo negatives that are stored in a separate file structure, the Canon camera has been used very infrequently this year for what I'll call normal photos. What I discovered is that I've used the camera in my smartphone most frequently. The Sony point-and-shoot camera second most frequently, the Canon DSLR hardly at all, just seven photos, and the camera in the iPad even less. Despite minimal use for normal photos, the Canon was used extensively for photographing roll film negatives. But there's a problem here. For 2022, XIR reports 423 images made with the Canon, but I knew there had to be more. Lightroom Classics Library Filter shows I've made 923 images this year with the Canon, not 412. There are also differences between totals for the Optic Film 35mm scanner. XIR Photo reports 2,075, but the correct number is 2,671. Numbers for my Epson Perfection scanner are correct, both sources say 89, as are values for the smartphone camera, both say 5. Check the final image on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and you'll see that the XIR photo filter is set to find all photos present in the film and print scans directory made by all cameras during 2022, the exact same criteria used for the Lightroom Classic filter. Although the overall numerical relationships are close, the incorrect counts are troubling. My guess is that the developers will find the problem and correct it in a later version. So the bottom line here, for cats, XIR Photo is a worthwhile addition to photographers' toolkits. The artificial intelligence that powers XIR Photo and XIR Search 2 does a remarkable job of adding meaningful keywords to images. The standalone XIR Photo has limited abilities to interface with Lightroom Classic, but the Lightroom Classic plugin can make it possible to find photos faster even if you don't have any personalized keywords. You'll find additional details if you'd like them on the XIR website, there's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, one of my key operating precepts continues to be, when something goes wrong, don't panic. When my wife followed a link to a recipe on her computer, the screen was immediately filled with a dire warning that was accompanied by technobabble from the speaker. She brought the computer to my office and said, I don't know what this is.
The text-to-speech announcement that was playing cautioned that the computer should not be restarted because that would do something terrible. Several items on the screen offered links to repair the problem or phone numbers to call for help. She had not clicked any of the links. She had not called the phone number. And those actions were exactly right. The Microsoft logo was present on some of the displayed graphics, and the presentation might have been somewhat credible, except that, first, Microsoft never pushes warnings to users. Second, Microsoft would have no way of knowing that Phyllis's IP address had been compromised. Third, Phyllis's IP address is a non-routable address on our private network, and the publicly visible IP address could reference any number of computers, phones, tablets, televisions, and streaming devices on our home network. Fourth, the display was far too busy and garish to have been created by Microsoft, even if the company pushed warnings to users, which we've already established that they don't. And fifth, no legitimate organization would ever take over a computer and repeatedly play a scary warning like the one that was playing. So I rebooted the computer, ran a diagnostic scan that found nothing, and returned the computer to Phyllis. That left just a couple of questions. How did this happen, and what was the point? Well, how did this happen? Either the website that claimed to have the recipe Phyllis wanted to see was intentionally malicious or bad code had been planted on the site. Because she had followed a link from a legitimate site, it's likely that the website had been compromised. And the point? Well, computer support scams usually use social engineering to convince the user to download a support tool that allows the scammer to connect to the computer with the promise of fixing the problem. Instead of fixing the problem, the scammer seeks out financial applications or anything of value and runs off with it. Once I had confirmed that the computer was running properly and that no malware had been installed, I could have used the browser's history function to identify the malicious site. I didn't do that, primarily because I didn't have time for it that day. But there is a lesson here. As the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says, don't panic. Until you're certain that you know what's happening, no action is usually best. Turning off the Wi-Fi connection would have been a good thing to do just in case malware was active. I didn't think any malware was active at the time, but I do have to admit that I simply didn't think of killing the network connection, and I probably should have done that. And finally, be sure not to do whatever the message on the screen tells you to do. Click no links, call no phone numbers. If you have a Windows computer, are you still running a third-party antivirus application? I've had a love-hate relationship with antivirus applications from when these applications first became available, and probably that's not an uncommon point of view. Possibly in an attempt to justify their existence, third-party protective applications seem to be overly chatty, informing users every time they perform any action, no matter how mundane, and frequently warning about threats that don't really quite exist. All of this activity distracts the user and slows the computer. Microsoft includes antivirus threat protection and a firewall in Windows Security. The various components remain silent most of the time unless an action realistically needs to be approved or acknowledged by the user. 
uh, built-in security functions interrupt users less and have only a minimal effect on system resources. The history of third-party protective applications usually starts with the development of a decent antivirus application, but then the developers add more and more functions until it becomes so large and so resource-hungry that users grumble about the system's performance. I used Norton Antivirus in the early days. When it began to slow the system too much, I moved on to AVG and then to Avast and several others. Avast now owns AVG, and virtually all of the antivirus applications have just become bloated. One of the more unfortunate stories is Malwarebytes, which was an excellent application for diagnosing and removing malware. Then a raft of new features caused serious performance problems. So today, my computers run just Windows security. It's always made sense to me that the operating systems developer would be in the best position to provide protective applications. The frequently updated AV Test Institute score for Windows security is usually 6 for protection, 6 for performance, and 6 for usability. That is the highest score possible. Many of the third-party apps also score 666, but if the built-in app earns top marks, why pay for an app that might be more intrusive and that might slow the computer's operation? No matter which antivirus system you use, those with Gmail and Outlook accounts will have the benefit of malware detection on the email servers. Most web browsers also have built-in functions that may detect malicious websites, phishing sites, and other dodgy techniques. Windows has a built-in smart screen filter that can issue a warning if there's a problem with a specific piece of software or if you attempt to run an application that isn't known to smart screen. Unless you need some of the extra features that a third-party application provides, Windows security is probably good enough. But what are some of those special features you might find? Some antivirus applications monitor your webcam to keep scammers from turning the camera on remotely, but today most webcams have an opaque slide that can be left in place until you need to use the camera. If not, a well-placed piece of tape can do the same thing, no application required. A few protective applications monitor security breach websites, and they'll let you know if your email address has been exposed. Now, given the number of breaches that have occurred over the past few years, it's better to simply assume that your email address is already public knowledge and to just concentrate on safe computing. Some security bundles include password managers or offer a virtual private network. Others may have options to securely delete files or offer secure online storage. Some applications watch for patterns of malicious activity, even if no malware has been detected, and a few can watch for attempts to encrypt your files. So, a third-party application may have features that you'd find attractive. Just bear in mind that every additional features will have an adverse effect on the computer's performance. How much performance degradation is acceptable in the name of robust security? In 2002, antivirus protections were still fairly primitive, and so was video editing. But we were beginning to have options to create discs that could be played on regular televisions. See more in 20 Years Ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. 
There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>